This is the Moshpit Backstage Podcast for punk, metal and rock interviews and segments. I have Jared, Tim, and Elliot from Future Corp. Welcome, guys. Hey Hello. Man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys' days been? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I cool. had to work till nine, which sucked, but uh, yeah. yeah, work boys. This is uh, cool. I slept all day. So <laughs> all right. Rub it in, rub it in. <laughs> so, we're going to be talking about their new album, uh, "Another World to Consume," as well as other things. So, we're looking forward to it. Start off. Tell us a little bit about the sound of the band, because it's not like I can say, "Hey." You guys are a thrash metal band, because you, you guys are prog, but you've got a lot of stuff going on. So describe for the people listening at home, and they'll hear a bit, little bit later, but w- what would you say the sound of the band's like? It's just a cool prog rock thing. Yeah? Yeah, lots of uh, math influences, like classic 70s stuff, a lot of extreme metal, black metal, like a lot of American black metal bands like Liturgy and Kralis and uh, Wolves in the Throne Room, stuff like that. Um, a lot of traditional black metal as well. We like... Birds of Mayhem and mm. um, Immortal. A lot of uh, screamo and uh, hardcore yeah. punk sort of stuff as well. We have like a lot of things that we like, um, even outside of metal and rock. Um, so we try and incorporate all of that into our music. Oh, absolutely. My Vision Orchestra. Yeah. A lot of fusion stuff. Yeah, we're big on that. So, lots, yeah. of, uh, lots of odd time. You know, there's uh, not a whole lot of 4-4, but there's, um, yeah, a lot, like a, a mixed bag of uh, different time signatures in there, so... Oh, cool. Now, in terms of the actual, you know, the, all these influences coming together, how, how does that work? It, it, is one of you guys writing the music or are you all contributing in some way? Yeah, we're all contributing. Yeah, uh, most of this album was stuff that Jared had written, but um, we all kind of put it together at yeah. the same time and um, bring our own ideas in. Um, but we're working on some new music and that's going to be more collaborative as well. Yeah, yeah we all good. We all write our own parts. Um, so Jared will write sort of, you know, the bulk of a song, the riffs and the rhythms and stuff like that. And then, yeah, Tim will come in and put in his bass parts and, um, you know, tweak some bits here and there. And then I'll come in and try and play drums to it. So, uh, and what we end up with is hopefully something enjoyable. Yeah. It's just got to be fun. Like, it, it could start from any source. It could be a, a nice chord progression, a rhythmic idea, um, going for a particular theme anything and it results in and it can go anywhere it just whatever you know like when i'm thinking of an idea another tangent could pop in my head and then it can just go from there and that's why we get this sprawling you know two 15 minute length tracks on this album (laughs) now that's something i've always been a bit fascinated by some of the bands mostly prog bands who tend to sort of go a lot of different places song just doesn't have you start here, you play a little bit, you do a chorus, you play a little bit, maybe you do something extra there, uh, chorus, then a final bit, which was kind of like the rest of the song, but a little bit changed. In terms of making a song which is long, I think you got a 15-minute song on the album, how do you say, all right, 15 minutes, or all right, all this stuff, that's where I'm going to finish it? How do you stop yourself from saying, let's just make uh, one track for the entire album? How does, how does that go? It's a challenge. It's, it's uh, not planned, though. 
Yeah. Um, really, we had this like we had this theme, like essentially it was a chorus, and it occurs pretty early. And that song starts off a pretty standard song form. It's got an introduction, ends up in the chorus. There's a verse. You play the chorus again, and then it goes into this. Just this. De- it just develops. <laughs> but then you know, I'm like, I want to bring back that theme. It's so tasty, and we reprise it somewhat in the middle of the song, and it's with a variation. Um, but yeah, it's got to come back to that, and it brings it back to it. Comes full circle. So that. <laughs> In in trying to come back to it, I've gone to all these different places and had all these. I had a lot of things that I wanted to say and a lot of riffs, and then that's pretty much how it became fifteen minutes. Oh, nice, nice. Um, now I'm gonna, we're going to play a track in a, a minute or two, but before we do that, tell us a little bit about the history of the band because I tried to do a bit of research and all the bands that come in, and I was kind of a bit fascinated by how the band has developed. You know, not not just musically, but actually the the band because you used to basically be the same band in a sort of way but had a different name tell us a bit about that yeah well the band kind of started off with me and tim essentially riding together it wasn't a band at that point in time yeah that was back in like 2011 yeah. um we both met at uh at uni playing music together and um yeah we started writing and um i i don't think i could I, I couldn't commit at the time to the band, and um, so it started with Jared and Elliot, who yeah. knew each other from high school. Old pals. And then I asked uh, uh, Julian to play, who played bass, and then we got a vocalist, and we were called Heisenberg, because it's great to appropriate a popular TV show. It's going <laughs> to go real far. It's really <laughs> unique. There isn't, There definitely isn't eight bands called Heisenberg already. So no, yeah. Great idea. Well, some are good. There's a good Italian screamo band called... Uh, <laughs> Alan, yeah, to clarify, like... You know, I know it's like a metal show, but like when we mean screamo, we don't mean My Chemical Romance. We mean good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. Actually, it's funny. Like I'm, I'm on the, I'm, I'm half one of those kind of guys who would say, "Oh, hardcore, it's terrible, it's all terrible." Yeah. But the other half, I actually, I actually like screamo and like a, a bunch of decent screamo bands. Yeah, yeah. There you go. But but everyone does who's listening right now. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> we do. So, another world to consume. Because there wasn't a lot of like press around this, I kind of was had trouble establishing whether this was the case. It's a it's a concept album, Ria. Kind of. Is it? It's got a theme. Yeah. It's got a theme. You yeah. talk a bit about that theme, because you know, as much as I'd like to say, <laughs> I, I I listened to the uh, what, what what you you were singing what about, I was yelling about. I, I I don't tend to listen to the lyrics, to be honest. Yeah, same. <laughs> waste of time. You could be listening to cool riffs. The lyrics were actually written like uh, midway through recording the album because um, we had some lineup changes and um, Jared had to fill in for the vocals, so we had to pause the recording process and um, we all got together and just came up with all these lyrics that um, a lot of it has to do with like uh, the environment and just a critique of um, our society right now because that's what we all think about all the time so um when we came together and wrote these lyrics it was like um it was fast because we had to get it done on time but i think we were all pretty proud of how it turned out we had some stuff already there because i'd done well on a live recording i'd improvised some vocals that we had for this gig at gasso so multivac was done then elliot wrote a song about that based on an isaac asimov tale short story yeah yeah that was um so the second track's just based off like a science fiction short story really and um yeah a a lot of the lyrics were written by tim though probably about 
60 70 percent were sort of tim's mm. input so yeah yeah <laughs> i can't remember exactly how much yeah. but oh i've yeah. counted it i've counted every word yeah. okay <laughs> 474 <laughs> that's 60 percent when i checked <laughs> so is, is that a concern of you uh like uh do you have any specific concerns about the environment like uh, global warming yeah uh, um yeah uh, lack of species decline all those sorts of things all of those things because uh, it's all connected mm. um got to do with like population as well and um overfishing uh climate change everything we're all concerned about that because uh we watch a lot of vice yeah exactly (laughs) yeah Yeah, guys we're we're informed (laughs) (laughs) it's uh i think yeah for all of us it's it's a concern like like you said you know population and um like land use and logging and fishing like it's all we don't want to get too political uh but i mean by all means it's uh it's very it's like it's something that's sort of i guess close to us and um i find it easy to write about something that's sort of i guess i'm kind of somewhat passionate about rather than just sort of you know writing about death and gore and and trying to write a a made-up story like we'd rather kind of put something into it that we actually sort of give a crap about so Mm, mm. yeah it's interesting i have a friend who you know writes a bit of music himself and I, i don't know his necessary interest in all that stuff uh, he's a vegan, so I think he has some concerns about it. But I was listening to an interview with a guy talking about... I, th- I think it might have been just the the decimation of species. And I was just thinking, oh, God, like, how, how are we not screaming about this? All this stuff. And that, that's just one tiny aspect mm-hmm. of the entire sort of ecosystem of issues yeah. that are affecting our future. Yeah, it's really insane like that. It's yeah. a, it's something to be angry about, which is, I guess, why we're so passionate about it. Because there's a, a lot of emotion involved, and um, it's especially infuriating when you hear people deny all that stuff and say it's wrong or Damn it. it's made up. It's like, yeah, I guess this is a way of shouting about it and being angry. <laughs> I think personally, like, uh, you know, I'm kind of like, yeah, well, we're doomed, and I can get a bit of a complacency about that. But yeah, when you get people who are just like, oh, climate change, oh, you, you believe in that? You know, it's just like, wow, you're dumb. Yeah. You're dumb dude. That's when I get angry because it's just like more maybe those people's unintelligence or unwillingness to accept the scientific consensus. So that's it's, just uh, uh, mind boggling, man. It's almost scary when you think about it. Like, you, you just kind of, like, right now everything seems fine. And then you kind of think the rate we're going. Well, yeah, it's, talk to people on the Maldives, you know. They're not fine. Yeah. They're in a bad time. It, it's funny like that because you have a general idea that we're doing all right, you know, outside your house, it looks fine. But then mm. in the news lately, you have that incredible amount of coral bleaching in the yeah. Great Barrier Reef. Yeah. And, mm. you know, I've kind of been vaguely aware of that, but it hasn't been reported on much. And you just hear no. all this coral bleaching is happening. It's just, gee, ha, ha, wow. In fact, all the negative, uh, all the impacts of the Great Barrier Reef were removed from a recent uh, report by the Australian government. So the rest of the world were like, no, it's, no, no, it's fine. Our great, beautiful reefs are still here in the wonder of the world. But no, it's, it's in decline. It's bad. And uh, they just want to help with their, their mates in the uh, coal and um, fossil fuel industry in general, I guess. Mm. Industries. Okay, getting back to the music. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody politics. <laughs> don't, don't depress us too much. Um, you mentioned that Jared, you took over on the vocals, and I was you know, yeah. going through your Facebook page, and there's a few lineup changes in that respect. A, oh, actually, maybe just one. 
if you, you, I think you did a really good job on the vocals for the album. Thank w- you. Why didn't that take place originally? Why weren't you just yep, I'm doing the on the vocals from the very start of the band? I love playing guitar a lot, um, and I want to dedicate all my energy to it. You know, it's hard to, and it, t- it does take away from. I wanted a large amount of improvisation with this band originally, and that has changed somewhat. The parts are very composed, and I more or less play. You know, not, not including solos, I play pretty much everything as it is on the album. You know, ninety nine percent of it. So you know, I wanted to concentrate on guitar, really, and then push came to shove, and um, I, you know, had probably the most experience with doing vocals out of the three of us. I could do it. I was willing to work on it, and together we came up with some great parts, great lyrics, and I think it's worked. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah, I just want to develop it now. Now I'm treating it like an instrument, and uh, I'll just get better at everything, and you know, and then I'll be able to. Be, treat them more independently and have them more—they'll uh, both be good, for lack of a better word. Hopefully, we, we were all very surprised at how well Jared uh, stepped it up because um, the, the music's already very complicated, and uh, now when we play live, he has to do all those complicated rhythms yeah. and guitar leads and sing at the same time. Um, we weren't sure if it was going to work out, but um, worked out fine. I think it's a perfect fit because. Um like as we said earlier Jared kind of wrote the bulk of this music um, so if anyone's got an understanding of what fits with it and especially a lot of the timing changes how to fit um, sort of vocal melodies and, and patterns over that um, it was Jared so yeah thanks came guys out, came out good, good job Jared I'm yeah. blushing well radio land ooh all red in the face mm. <laughs> let's go back a bit to the actual recording of the album sure you post a number of things on Facebook saying like hey we're doing this we're doing that we're doing this how, how does that all come about? Do you kind of know, like, okay, we're going to that guy, we're going to that guy? Do you have to talk to people about that in terms of recording the album? Uh, we picked out the studio, um, like, months before we did the recording. Uh, we had some friends who recorded an EP there, and we just checked out the website and saw that it was a nice-looking studio and they had mm. good rates. So, yeah, Soggy Dog, shout-outs to Steve and Charlie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a it was a pretty, pretty easy... Pro- like, logistically kind of booking things in and, and doing it was was pretty easy yeah originally though we asked somebody else who uh who's uh, uh, manager yeah. wouldn't be interested who shall remain nameless for yeah. the purposes of this interview that's right you we know. won't talk to her about you but you know who you are mr <laughs> manager <laughs> mr <laughs> we'll show you yeah <laughs> and in terms of uh being an independent band is that is, is that problematic like getting it all organized getting it all I don't know, funded if, you know, that's not digging too deep. Well, uh, we've got jobs, so money's good. Um, time is an issue. You know, yes, yeah, so I don't know what it would be like to do it any other way because I've only ever, my musical experience has been busking or just playing for fun or doing this. Um, yeah. I mean, we all, we kind of all shared the cost. It was kind of split like evenly three ways so yeah. I mean the money was, was, was. fine yeah um, but as far as the booking goes we originally did book in sort of all of our days for tracking and mixing and, and all that sort of stuff and then like due to a lineup change during the process we did have to cancel some days and then and then it became a bit more problematic we had to book in a lot of night yeah. sessions to come in and do like three hours of mixing or whatever so but even that I mean it only it delayed us a couple of months I guess um, but yeah I mean it it wasn't really that that trying. No, and it was easy to hook up mastering as well. 
Um, Joe Cara from Crystal was amazing. Um, mm. And yeah, seeing him, I was just like, man, this guy's great. Yeah. So yeah, well, that, that was easy, really easy. And in terms of like, do you, do you also mean in terms of booking gigs, how we run otherwise outside of the yeah, recording just, the album? Yeah, just generally, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard as an independent band to, I don't know, I assume there's all sorts of perks when you're on a label, you know, that label has contacts and they're able to organize certain things that we unfortunately are not privileged to have. Um, so it's, it's hard to find other people that are willing to do it. You need to have that momentum and where we're getting there and we're, we're building it up and, you know, in time, hopefully we'll, uh, get those nice perks that those other people have. The upshot is that we being independent, we do have complete freedom to play whatever show we want, wherever we want, yeah, whenever absolutely. we want, and we can say and do whatever we want. So yeah, it's there's pros and cons to both situations, I suppose. Mm. In terms of for the people out there who don't really know, you, so you record the the actual you know, instruments, your vocals. Mm-hmm. What, what exactly does it mean to say, all right, we're mixing this, we're mastering this, all that stuff? What 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 does that add? How does that come to form the album that eventually gets released? Well, I guess first we record our parts, and that's I guess tracking, and then mixing is making all oh, that sounds nice and that's what steve did so he, mm. i guess he produced it in a sense we, with us we said what we want and how we want to do it yeah all three of us were like in almost every session we were sitting there like um not exactly telling him what to do but um just giving him points yeah um, things that we wanted yeah. um but after the mixing the mastering just sort of puts all the songs together to make it sound Put a bit of icing on. Yeah. It, it, it gloss on. Yeah. The mastering kind of evens everything out and kind of just makes it sound like other albums sound. Sort of when you get like a, an unmastered album, everything's kind of... Crappy. The level, the le- yeah, a bit, bit crappy. The yeah. levels are a bit all over the place and it hasn't got that sort of tight, polished sound, but that's what that's what mastering does. Oh, cool. Now I'm going to ask each of you a personal question because um, oh, oh, a bit intimate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to wrap around the table. Um, Jared, it's my understanding you play a seven-string... Yeah. yeah. What exactly does that do that's different from a six string? I know obviously there's an extra <laughs> string, but in terms of, hey, I'm playing this, this actually enables me to do these particular things. It means I don't have to tune down to play mm. below E. Um, I like to play in standard because I, well, like my, I learned to play the guitar that way, and my ear is, it, it's connected to the fretboard presented in that way. I know where those notes are, and I want to know where they are at any time, and I don't really want to change that. So this just enables me to play the guitar in, for lack of a better term, a normal way. And um, if I want those lower notes, they're there without changing my tuning. Yeah, cool. Uh, Tim, now you recently released Nothing Is Real <laughs> yeah. with Le Parker's Carl Setch. Yeah. Now tell us a bit about that, because I, I listened to a few of the tracks today when I discovered it, right? And it's an interesting album. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, um, we played with La Parker before. I think that was before I was in the band, but um, we've been friends with uh, Carl Sech and Jake for a while, um, and I've always wanted to do like this free improv sort of avant-garde jazz sort of thing, really um, textural and improvised music and um i was looking for a drummer to play with that uh wasn't elliot because we play music all the time so um i wanted to reach out to carl setch who wasn't playing drums at the time um so i had to kind of uh, coax him out of his retirement (laughs) um 
but yeah, we just got together at three phase and recorded like two hours of material. And then over the next two weeks or something, just, um, just sort of edited it, it down, came up with the sound for it and, um, yeah, just put it online. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, Elliot, uh, yes, you're in a bunch of different bands, and correct. How, how does how does that all work? Because you you sort of all right, I'm doing this, but I'm also doing that band. How, how do you fit them all in? Do you approach them with different mindsets? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, it's become a bit easier lately because sort of, I mean, Future Corps, and uh, I also play in Bellacore as well, are quite active. The other two bands that I was playing in, that I was playing in before these two bands, uh, which is Okera, which is a doom metal band, and also the Seaford Monster, which is a death metal band. Um, so I joined them in 2008 and 2010, respectively. Um, are a bit more on the quiet side now, um, but every band is different. Um, you know, one one's a doom metal band, one's a death metal band, one's sort of a melodic death metal band, um, and then there's Future Corpse, which is sort of just all over the shop, um, progressive odd time. Definitely the most challenging of the four that I've played in. Um, but yeah, I mean, every band gets me doing something different, which I love. I love playing drums. It's all I've loved doing since I was, you know, 12 years old when I first picked up sticks. Um, uh, I couldn't imagine life without drums, so I'm really fortunate and uh, grateful that I've got all these cool dudes um, who want me to play drums for them, and I guess it's really good um, I've been very lucky that there's been sort of this void um, that I've been able to fill with my loud clanging. Um, yeah, so basically, just what are your? I find this always fascinating. What are your influences? Favorite bands? Sort of, you know, bands that kind of make you you musically. Sure, John Coltrane, John McLaughlin, Mars Volta, Between the Buried and Me, Genesis, Jethro Tull, Macedon, Macedon, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely, uh, like they said, uh, Mars Volta and uh, Mastodon, Between the Buried and Me, um, Protest the Hero, he's probably yeah. one of the biggest things for me. Um, Fall just, of Troy as well. Yeah, Fall of Troy. Just anything that's kind of like, uh, kind of a mix of prog, math and metal, just something interesting. I mean, especially in the last few years since spending more time with these two guys, um, they've got me into a lot of kind of really interesting music. I kind of started off being mostly into just melodic death metal and, and brutal death metal and stuff like that but um yeah yeah we all we all love the Mars Volta yeah that's probably and, yeah, yeah the, the winner for all three of us Definitely. yeah been a big fan of them since I was like 16, 17 like there isn't many bands that I listened to sort of over 10 years ago that I still listen to today and um, yeah Mars Volta is definitely yeah. one of them so. definitely also Death Grips yeah death grips. God, yeah Death Grips rule Liturgy oh yeah yeah we could go on yeah how long you got? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, Ten <then>. seconds. <laughs> it, well, it's interesting you met, mentioned liturgy, and uh, I think earlier in the show you were talking about Kralis. Yeah, yeah, Kralis. Kralis. I, yeah, the, Sick. Uh, I could go on forever about Kralis because yeah, it's it's funny you sort of listen to this you know mixture of you know general extreme metal, uh, prog, um, hardcore stuff, and then sometimes it just really came through clear to me kind of it wasn't black metal but there was just this black metal stuff sort of coming through I, I found that really interesting about the album mm. yeah. just at times I think that's the those American bands which are not super true black metal and then we're appropriating it in a real different way you know we're taking those um, high 
um, chords. And I'm us- using unconventional harmonies, like there's things where I'm playing major add nine chords uh, in a real jazz, like a real jazz voicing, and I'm just trim picking the f*** out. So there's, it's like black metal way with, with the jazz, and it was me trying to do, like, Kraus have a lot of counterpoint, and I'm only one guitarist. So, yeah, it's, so it's a little bit different, but yeah, that's an accurate... Accurate assessment, I'd say. What you said. Cool. Um, I, th- I, I could talk to you for ages, but I think that's Thanks, about man. all the time Same. we've got. Um, before we go, uh, a plug your gigs. B anything else you want to say? Um, so we're playing uh, Saturday night at the Reverence Hotel. Uh, playing a show with Iconic Vivisect, uh, Ocean Bones, Space Cadet, and a band called Kepler, who is not Kepler. But if you can go to the gig, then you'll who's, find out who they really are. Who's Kepler? Biggest melodic death metal band in Australia. Fake name. That's all we'll say. That's all we can say. But just come. And then, uh, <laughs> and then we're playing uh, Thursday, the following Thursday, twenty third of June, at the Grace Darling Hotel again with Ocean Bones, uh, Rad Island, and The Orphan. Second um, of July, we're back to the Rev, playing uh, a show with about like seven other different metal bands, yeah. um, including The Weight of Silence, Evolution of Self, Zellerage, Cypress as well. Yeah. Um, and then oh. rounding out our world tour is uh, 22nd of July at the Last Chance Rock and Roll Bar with some great bands, uh, Bog, Grudge, Seaford Monster featuring me and uh, Headlopper. <laughs> and we've got another show in the works as well uh, for the 21st of July, but I I won't say any more about it just yet. Cause TBC. It's not, yeah, TBC. TBC. But, uh, Check our Facebook. Yeah, regularly. or just go to uh, futurecorps.net. We have all our gigs listed there, and you can yeah. stream the album and buy the album as well. Just so refresh. We've got shirts too, two cool shirts. Big Fish and uh, Skull on a Monitor. They look sick. 20 bucks each. Whoa. Yeah. Get two for one. Or, no, not two for one. No, you don't. Get two. You, you and we'll we'll get work that. out a deal. That deal doesn't exist. Deal doesn't uh, exist. Jared misspoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure having you for the entire hour. Thank you so much. Thanks Thanks for having us so much. Thanks for listening to the Moshpit Backstage Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Omni. To find out more about the show, go to www.syn.org.au slash moshpit. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moshpitonsyn and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at moshpitsyn. The regular Moshpit radio show broadcasts punk, rock and male tunes and interviews every Thursday nights on Sin 9.7 on FM and digital radios. Listeners outside of Melbourne, Australia can stream Sin 9.7 online at www.syn.org.au. Thanks to Vintage Ruin for the music. Hi, this is Samantha from Flashgun Apocalypse. Hi, I'm Enid from Girls Go. I am Phoebe Pinnock from Heaven the Axe. Hey, this is Gary Olmey of the Misfits. Hey, this is Kat Sproul from Horizon's Edge, and you're listening to The Moth Pit on Sin FM. Hi, this is Aina from Leopard. Hi, I'm Virginia Lilly from the band Lilly. This is Ron from 1349. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ali from Uberhead. Hey everybody, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to the Mosh Pit on Tips.